0: This week, we're going to open up the, the theme of love. Man, it's, love is a vast subject, and so it took me a while to, to compact it down to, to one 30-minute message, but uh, I believe the Lord has given me a good word for you today. I'm a fan of 80s music. Maybe it's because I'm a boomer, but I think 80s and, the music of the 80s and 90s are, like, amazing, Right? In 1985, at the top of the charts, there was a song sung by Huey Lewis and the News called The Power of Love. You know that song? Feel the power of love. You know what I'm talking about? Listen to the lyrics of this song. The power of love is a curious thing. Makes a one man weep and another man sing. Change a hawk into a little white dove more than a feeling. That's the power of love. First time you feel it, it might make you sad. The next time you feel it, it might make you mad. But you'll be glad, baby, when you found that the power of love makes the world go round. You don't need money, don't need fame, don't need no credit card to ride this train. It's strong, and it's sudden, and it's cruel sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of love. That's the power of love. I believe That love is the most powerful force ever known to man. I believe the Apostle Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when he says, in essence, that when the dust settles and everything else is said and done and everything else that matters is gone, three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. These three things exist, he said, but the greatest of these is love. And then if you jump back up to the 8th verse, he says this. He says, "Love never ends." In other words, love is eternal. Gloria said it earlier and I want to say it again. God our Father is love. That's what John tells us. The Apostle John tells us in 1 John chapter 4 verse 16. God is love. God is eternal. And so when we look at the broad theme of God's love in the Bible, we see his great love in action from cover to cover. The Old Testament word in the Old Testament there's a word that's used to describe God's love for his people. And the word is called hesed or chesed if you're Jewish. And it refers to a covenantal love promised by God to to his chosen people and only to his chosen people. Listen to me. Hesed love describes God as a covenant lover, initiating his love towards the object of his love, his children, which are the chosen people of Israel, the children of Israel. Is this me? Is is that me, Tammy, Mom, moving around too much? Okay. I don't know how I'm going to be able to, like, stop the popping. You guys are going to have to tune in to me because I get to moving around. I get excited. Sometimes that happens. So this is God's love to his chosen people. We are God's beloved. It's a covenant love. And, you know, there are several different types of love. There's bilateral covenant uh, love. There's there's unilateral covenant love. This love that we're entered into as the children of God is a a unilateral covenant love. And here's what it means. It It means that there is one person in the covenant relationship that's responsible to carry out the relationship, the the love in the relationship. This person has the power and the authority to fulfill it. The other person basically just gets to go along for the ride. Let me give you an example of that. In Genesis chapter 15, God tells Abram, he says, I want you to step outside your tent. Abraham goes outside the tent. He says, look up at the stars of the heavens. And so Abram looks up at the stars of the heaven. And then God tells him, he says, I'm going to number your seed like the the stars of the heavens. Now, I don't know about, about you if you've had a chance to do this. But if you've never done this before in Alaska, take a trip outside of Anchorage to the wilderness where there are no lights on a clear night. And the stars will blow your mind. they are like millions and millions and millions of stars out there. And I can just imagine Abraham looking up at those stars knowing the promise that God has made him. God had entered into a covenant relationship with Abraham, but watch what happens. Before Abraham can do anything, God tells him, I want you to go get an animal to sacrifice, and then I want you to cut the animal in half, and, and that's going to be indicative of a covenant that I'm going to make with you. And in a covenant in the Old Testament, what happened is they would get an animal, they cut the animal in half, they'd lay the two halves on one side, and then the two people that were in covenant relationship would walk through the corridor of this, these two halves of this animal along the blood that was laid down on the trail, and that was symbolic of a covenant relationship that says, be it unto me like these animals if I break this covenant with you. You guys with me so far? Look what God does in this unilateral covenant with Abraham. He causes a deep sleep to, to fall upon Abraham. And then God, by himself, independent of Abraham, walks through the covenant trail to the other side. And here's what that means. God says in this unilateral covenant relationship, I'm great enough to fulfill any promise that I make to you without your cooperation. How many of you know God is, is bad enough and great enough to fulfill any promise he makes to you? He is. But as his children, as his children, when we cooperate with him, we get the benefit of God's great love for us. Chesed love in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, the Greek word used to describe God's love is, is called agape. Agape expresses a spiritual and a divine love that, that God has for all of mankind. Scripture tells us in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that what? hmm that. Listen to all you Bible scholars out there. yeah. That's that's a love for all of mankind. It's a unique love, a a self-sacrificing love to which there can be no equivalent return. That's agape love. Agape love is God's unequivocal, uncommon, unconditional, supernatural love for us. But now let me be clear. Although agape love is an all encompassing love family, wrapped up in agape is hessid love, the covenantal love that God has for his children, a love that comes with great reward reserved only for those who choose Jesus Christ. Wow. His children. And it's out of God's agape love for us that we get to experience his his hope, his joy, and his peace. I want to say to you today that there's nothing that should be valued more highly than the the premium of God's multifaceted love for us, in us, and through us. Nothing. Now I've been blessed in my life to be surrounded by people who I know have a genuine love for me. I've never had to question the deep love of the people that that matter most in my life, my parents, my children, um, my wife, my extended family, my brothers and sisters, and you, my church family. I've never had to question your love for me. But I'm convinced that one of the greatest needs in our culture today is for people to know that they are deeply and authentically loved. Because not everyone has experienced that like I have. I'm convinced that there is a strong need for people to know that they are deeply and authentically loved. So here's a key statement I want to give to you today. People who are uncertain of love are uncertain in life. People who are uncertain in love are uncertain in life. I, I ran some statistics on people who grow up coming out of broken homes where divorce happened between the parents and did you know that a person that comes out of a broken home is nine times more likely to commit a major crime than a person that comes out of a stable, loving, healthy, wholesome environment where they are certain of the love that they are given by their family and their, fa- and their parents. People who are uncertain of love are uncertain in life. When people are unsure that their love it affects every part of their life professionally, relationally, spiritually. The uncertainty of love affects every single area of our lives. People who are uncertain in love do Destructive, crazy things, don't they? Think about it. You've seen it. Maybe you, you're one of them. I know I have been. People who are uncertain in of love often look for love in all the wrong places. And then, if you're a strong personality and you've been starving for affection, if you're not careful what will happen in your strong personality, you begin manipulating relationships to get your way and to get what you want. And if you're starving for love, and if you're a person seeking love, and you don't possess a strong personality, what's likely to happen is, if you get with the person that has a dominant personality, the end result often ends up being compromise or victimization. Hmm. All of us struggle with something, every single one of us. Knowing that we're loved, especially by those who matter most in our lives, And especially in the areas where we're struggling in our lives, knowing that we are loved makes all the difference in the world. Because if we are uncertain of love, we will be uncertain in life. So here's an inherent problem. Human love is imperfect, isn't it? And our natural tendency is to project on God Our view of his perfect love through the the lens of our imperfect human love. The disappointments we've experienced in relationships with those who should love and care for us the most, but somehow, for whatever reason, they don't or they can't. If we're not careful, it can become so easy to equate God's perfect love to our dysfunctional human experience of love and family when this happens we'll approach God's love the way that we often approach our human relationships we'll work harder to try to earn it because we believe that that's what it takes for him to love us when nothing could be further from the truth you see God's love is not like our love Human love is flawed and is fickle and is dependent on something. God's love is not. God's love is so powerful and so compelling and so incomparable that God's love continues to draw us back to him time and time again. Back to his irresistible love that overtook us the day that we were born again. See, in life, our spiritual birthday began the day that we were born again, the day that we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. And so if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, it is impossible for you to know the great love that your father has for you. It's impossible. Now, to our text today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in 1 John chapter 4. Gloria didn't know that I was going to be preaching out of 1 John chapter 4. I didn't know that you was going to be reading out of 1 John chapter 4. See, we had the thing on. Spirit bear witness one with another. 1 John chapter 4, are you there? We're going to begin at verse 7 today. And this text today breaks down really neatly into two sections. Both pertain to God's great love for us, family. It's a love that he freely shares with us. And it's a love that he courageously challenges us to share with others. So let's talk about first God's shared love for us. First John chapter four, beginning at verse seven. The apostle John writes, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Everybody say, God is love. love. Yeah, and John speaks of this a couple times here. You'll catch it as we go along. And in this love of God, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this love, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. God's love is a shared love. It's a, it's a family love. When we come into the body of Christ, when we embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we become grafted in as part of his family. So if you're born again, welcome to the family of God. If you're not, today before you leave here, you're going to get an open invitation to join his family. When we join the family of God, no matter what our past has been, when we embrace his love for us, our background no longer matters. Our past sin no longer matters. Our past indiscretion no longer matter. We've been washed in the blood of the lamb and so we no longer have to be held hostage by the sins of our past. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says that when we were born again, we become new creations, the old is gone, and we receive a brand new identity as children of God with a brand-new reality and a brand-new start and a brand-new family with a brand-new name given to us by our Heavenly Father at the moment that we were saved from our sins. Now, verse 8 here in our text is spoken in the negative, but I want to flip it around to the positive because I believe it underscores what I just said. The, The text says... Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. I want to say it this way. Everyone who continues to love does so because he knows God. That word knows in the Greek is gnosko, which means to know through experience. The key to loving is, is, is knowing through experience. The key to loving is knowing through experience. Let me say this. Beware of the person that tells you that they love you and they don't even know you. Hmm. Young ladies, beware of the person who is quick to say they love you without really even knowing you. Young men, beware of the person that tells you they love you without really even knowing you. True love is a tested love. Hmm. Palzetta and I have been married for 36 years, man. Our love has been battle-tested, glory to Jesus. (laughs) But I was thinking this morning, you know, Alejandro Villanueva is a 6'7", 342 pound tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers, big dude, strong guy. I would much rather have my wife at my back than Alejandro Villanueva because, see, I know what I get with my wife. Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God, let me tell you something, man, my wife My wife has been at my back so long that if I know I need to have a rest, I'm safe and comfortable with pulling my armor off and sleeping in her presence spiritually because I know our love has been battle tested and if the enemy takes her out, he has to take her out to get to me. Battle tested. And let me say this to y'all. If you want to get to me, you got to go through my wife. (laughs) Good luck with that. Battle-tested love, man. Battle-tested love. That's what true love is all about. God wants us to experience battle-tested, intimate love with him. And the way that we experience that love is by hanging out with our father, spending time with our father. That's how we get to know him. That's how our love becomes battle-tested. So what does this look like practically? How do we do that? We talk to him every day in prayer, every single day. Listen, we read his word daily. Did you know the word of God is God's love letter to you? Not only is it a roadmap and a guide for us, but it is God's love letter to us. How do we get to know God better? How do we get to know his love for us? By spending time in community with other followers. You hear me talk about community all the time. Listen, often God will speak to you and give you the solution to what you've been asking him for through someone else who's a follower of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that? So we get to know the love of our father by spending time in community with others. Your Father wants you to experience the depth of his love that goes beyond description. He wants you to experience the indescribable richness of his love for you that will carry you through the triumphs of your life, as well as the circumstances, the trials, the tribulations, the temptations, and the tragedies of life. I have heard several stories this week of people who have told me that if they didn't know Jesus, if they didn't know the love of the Father in the, in the trial that they were going through right now, they would have no idea what they would do. They wouldn't be able to make it. God wants us to experience the depth of his agape love for us in every area of our lives. It's our right, It's our covenant right as part of his family. It's a family love. It's an active love. Verse 9 and 10 says it was manifested among us. It was manifested among us in the person of Jesus Christ who took on human flesh, came into this world, lived a perfectly sinless life. It was initiated by God to us. Listen, don't get it twisted, man. We were were lost in our sin with no hope for redemption, eternally separated from God. We couldn't save ourselves. The Apostle Paul writes about that in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, we were without God and without hope in this world. God's love, his redemptive love for us was initiated by him. And it was enormously expensive. The word propitiation in this text simply means satisfaction for, for payment, satisfaction for payment, It's a ransom for our sins. Jesus Christ gave his life for us. He came, to, he came to this earth to die, to give his life for us so that we could enjoy eternal life. It was enormously expensive. It cost God everything. Listen to me. Real love is going to always cost you something. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. It's going to cost you something. And wherever love is not sacrificial, it's not authentic. God's love is a maturing love. Look at what verse 11 says. Verse 11 says, if God loves us, and that word really could, could and should say, since God loves us, we ought to love one another. The word ought here is an old English word that means to owe. Since God loves us now, we owe that same expression of love to one another. i say two leading indicators of spiritual maturity are these, understanding who we are in Jesus Christ as our new identity, and then operating in obedience to God's command for us to love each other. Those are two spiritual markers of spiritual maturity. And so our command to love and our ability to carry it out is based on knowing our identity in Him. Hmm. And listen, our command to love is not based on our feelings. We don't get to love each other just because we, we feel good or we don't feel good. We don't get to not love someone when we don't feel like it, amen? As a matter of fact, I'd say it this way. I believe the times that we grow spiritually the most is when we step outside ourselves to love someone when we don't feel like it. Hmm. That's when we mature the most in our love for one another. Verse 12 points to this. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected. Everybody say perfected. That word means mature. His love is matured in us as we love one another. This is a very clear statement. There's something here that's stated that's not clearly. It's stated clearly, but it's not stated. And here's what it is. Because it's true, no one is ever seeing God at any time. But the reality is we see him all of the time as we demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to one another and to the world. People can't see God but they can see you, they can see me. You know, this is, I don't know what it is about the holiday season, maybe it's the hustle and bustle, (laughs) but this is so applicable. Listen, this is the best time of the year to know that you are a mature follower of Jesus Christ because people test your everlasting nerve this time of year, don't they? And watch this, man. You never know. You never, never know who's watching you, man. You you could be you could be like right at the counter, right at the counter, and somebody like cut in front of you. And if you blow it, trust me when I tell you, it's a high probability that the enemy set you up. Everybody say, love one another. By this is, is the love of God perfected in us. By this is, is, is where this is where the, the people that are around us in the world that need to see the expressed love of God and won't see it unless they see us experience the love of God through us when we love one another and when we operate in the love of God in everything that we do. Yeah? So first, God's love is a shared love. It's a family love. It's active and it's maturing. Now, here's where we get the power to pull off the love of God. God's love is a courageous love. He gives us the power to love. Where does that power come from? Look at verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Our ability to love family is based on our ability to yield, to operate in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit sent to dwell inside of us. How many of you got the Holy Spirit dwelling on on the inside of you? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm getting ready to meddle now. How many got the Holy Spirit inside of you like this? Raise your hand. Okay, listen to me. Listen to me. You can put your hand down. It is impossible for two people that love Jesus to hate each other. If God is love, and God, the Holy Spirit, the love of God dwells in us. If I am full of the Holy Spirit, I am full of the love of God. Where is the room for hatred in my life? Amen. Okay, woo, I'm, I'm, man. All right, I'm starting to meddle. Are you sure? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have a family member and you can't get along with your family member and they're a follower of Jesus Christ and you say you hate each other, somebody is not a follower of Jesus Christ. It's that simple. When we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, we are surrendering the totality of who we are. All of our spirit yielded to the spirit of God. If two people following Jesus can say they hate each other, somebody's not following Jesus. Everybody say, that's strong, Pastor. I know Elder Parham, you don't know who Elder Parham is. He's the old, one of the old elders in the Church of God of Christ. He used to say, it's tight, but it's right. <laughs> Hmm. So God, through the Holy Spirit, gives us the power to love. Then he gives us the motivation to love and the motivation to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look word verse 14 says, and I'm getting ready to wrap it up. Mitch, you can come up if you'd like. It says, we've seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Courage, courageous love, courageous love, courageous love. The greatest way that we could ever love someone is by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Our lives have been transformed because of our Father's great love for us. And so the more we experience the love of Jesus Christ, the deeper the urgency should be in our hearts to share it with those who do not know him. See, the good news of Jesus Christ is what Christmas is all about, man. I went and got my Christmas tree the other day. It's, it's nice, too. I go to Lowe's, they got some great Christmas trees. Giving gifts and having a great Christmas tree and enjoying family and putting on weight because we're eating so much and singing Christmas carols and celebrating Christmas. All these things are good, but the true reason for Christmas is not about any of these things. Christmas is the celebration of the greatest gift ever given, Emmanuel. Hmm. Listen, everyone is looking for someone love us Christmas is about the truth that we don't have to look anymore God is love he is our lover and we are his beloved And so the challenge that I want to set before you this week is stop looking to be loved And look for ways to be the expression of the lover who lives on the inside of you this week to someone who doesn't know the love of Jesus. Amen.